I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Got me. Yeah, yeah. I got caught. Jared got a bad bite. He's got a bad bite. Jared, what happened to you? Why Why are you not in studio with us today? Well, I'm uh, I'm in my little jungle corner here at home because uh, Daddy got COVID. Oh no, guys! Yeah. Do you think that Do you think that this is like like talking about getting COVID is like I'm over it? You know what I mean? It's like like, like the idea of getting COVID. Even I mean. I said this to you guys the other day. We should have had a pool going from the very beginning. I know. Yeah. Although I know. it seemed COVID seemed a little bit too serious in the beginning, maybe to have a pool. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Do you guys? Do you guys yeah. feel like? Um, do you feel like? Like we we got COVID so late that it's now boring to talk about. Like if we got yeah. COVID, yeah, if yeah. we got COVID like six months ago, even or like a year yeah. ago, or like two years ago, like, then well, it would have been yeah. really interesting. Getting COVID today is like buying a hoverboard. I'm being yeah. excited about it. Yeah. It's like, well, here, yo, here, here's what's not the boat. Here's what's not boring about it. It actually was a fucking, a total um, anomaly. Uh, public health is even like, what the fuck is going on? So long story short, um, Brian, you had COVID. I figured maybe I got COVID from you. Cause like after that, after we were hanging out, I, I was feeling like tired and shit. I think I even said that last week. Like, Oh, I think I had it. Yeah. Well, Kira, my girlfriend, she tested positive uh, last Saturday, last Friday, and we were hanging out, and we were making out, and I was like, well, that means I'm probably going to get it. So the next day, I wake up, I take a rapid, and it's positive. So I was like, okay, well, then there we go. That makes sense. I go and I get a PCR to confirm it. The PCR is negative. So I was like, what? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so then, so then the next day, I do, a, I, I, I do another rapid negative. I take another PCR because I was like, maybe the PCR was just wrong. I don't know. That PCR is negative. So now I'm two PCRs negative, one rapid positive and one rapid negative. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, so I call public health. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, well, if you don't have a, if you don't have a positive <laughs> PCR, then you don't, you don't need to isolate. So, and you were feeling fine. Oh, zero symptoms, period. Yeah. And hey, so, can I get uh, a can I can I get a could I get a could I get a pack of COVID and just take a little bit of the COVID and just take it out and throw <laughs> yeah, it away? Yeah. So uh so then so then you know another day goes by, I take another rapid and it's super positive. This this other rapid. Super positive. Like the line was there was no yeah. question. That line was hard and it was harsh. And I was like, oh fuck, I'm like the line was three D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I go in for uh, a third PCR and finally, uh, oh, and a little tip. I called public health beforehand and the woman was like, okay, this is super weird, but um, 
you probably have COVID, my guess is. But when you go in to get your PCR, the third one, make sure you blow your nose right before they do it. She was like, bring all that shit up front. And she was like, also, I don't know why they're not telling people to do this, but they should be doing this anyway. And I was like, all right. So I blew my nose. Anyway, that PCR came back positive. I am positive for COVID. I am now isolating. And uh, and I feel totally fine. I I was really sleepy yesterday. That's it. No Mm. nose stuff, no throat stuff, no fucking headaches, nothing like that. That that's interesting. Do you do you feel like um that, I got like, the is, I got the Zeta Cuck strain <laughs> that's going around. Isn't it interesting that there's a technique to like ensure that you test positive if you have have COVID? Because funny, I would have yeah. thought like I would have thought that if you blew your nose, you'd be at risk of blowing some of the virus out of your nose, and then you would be less likely to test. Yeah, well, I think, I think, the cilia, like, I think the cilia is catching the the COVID. You know, like <laughs> like when you blow your nose, you're not cleansing out your nose you're you're that's why sometimes when you blow your nose you gotta like reach up in there with the tissue and like get all that gunk out because the cilia is just like ah yes yes let me hold on to this wet stuff guys this might be a a bit of a a hot take but do you think that because like i feel like no 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 no. (laughs) i i feel like um i feel like picking your nose like there's a lot of stigma around picking your nose like people look at people who pick their nose i mean we've talked about it the last Two feel good Fridays in a row. Yeah, I think the boogers with, uh, will, will eat your stomach out if you eat. Oh, if you eat. Austin, Jer, I think your your audio is coming from the computer. FYI, that's okay. He's recording his own. Oh, track oh anyway, okay, so. yeah, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so so here's my hot take. I think that we should. I think picking your nose should be revered in society uh, because yeah, I've been pushing for that for years. I think it's actually healthy <laughs> to like, like you said, Jerry, you blow your nose and you get all that gunk in there. Yeah. So it would be better for you to get it out and not be walking around like an animal with boogers yeah. in your nose when you could have a clean nose. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't that's, that's and like nasty. how, and like you get way too many boogers to be blowing your nose all day, every day. I mean, you can't be blowing your nose every every hour yeah you right? know there's not enough tissue in the world we got to save trees use your finger <laughs> so well, taylor i'm I'm curious um i wanted to ask because obviously jerry you have a positive um you're you're positive for covid now you've had covid for the last few days yeah. um i had covid the, a couple weeks ago um taylor you've been obviously around jerry and i in and around that time and you're not feeling you know Super energetic today. Yeah. You're not feeling super energetic. You're not feeling COVID-y Dude, this is the weird psychological shit about not just COVID, but like anything, like anything when somebody you know gets sick. Yeah. You know, you just, like, Jared got that positive test and then later that day I went, I feel sick. (laughs) And then, and then Jared got a negative and then like the next morning and I went, I feel fine. (laughs) And, uh, and then, and then Jared got a negative and then last night I was feeling like garbage and I woke up this morning and I felt like a fucking brick in bed. I just slept in until eleven, which is fucking weird. I hate sleeping in. And then, um, and and Kyla was like doing all the stuff with your baby, like taking care of everything. Yeah, and- yeah. And I've got a and I and I've been I t- you know since Jared got a positive test, I've taken a rapid test each each day since then, just to because like although I really couldn't give less of a fuck about having COVID, I I would love to know. Like yeah. I want to know, and because and the, and then there's that I part wanted. of you, there's that yeah. part of you that goes, you know, who knows if I fucking had it yeah. already? Because there's millions of people who have had COVID and never even knew. Yeah. So you know that, I mean, I just want to know, and and uh, yeah, I just feel I don't feel very great, but I'm I got negative tests, so I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe yeah. I just have a cold or. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I got the results, I was elated because. 
uh, because I, of that. I, I wanted to know. I was like, I just got to know. Like, you know, I need some sort of fucking definitive answer because this is such a weird roller coaster. And now, now I feel like, okay, cool. I can like, I'm going to Toronto next week. You know, I'm like, I'm like, fuck, sweet. I can go to Toronto and not have to worry about anything. Like, I, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel good. Um, and what does man, it feel I'll, like? I'll, I'll, what I'll does it feel you, like it's, for it's, being it's quite anticlimactic? Anticlimactic. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Like, I mean, I, you, you know, like two years. Two, yeah, of, of of feeling like this thing of just like living under the shadow pure, of COVID. Pure fear, pure fear, like two years of actual legitimate fear. Yeah. And then I get it and I'm like, what is this little bitch variation that I get? Like, this is so <laughs> stupid. They're like, give me yeah. some of that. De- I want to know what Delta's like. I mean, yeah. it, is it is it weird to be having this conversation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knowing that like that there still are populations of people that are at higher risk to have more serious like oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. But but the but the reality yeah. of it is, the reality of it is, is that COVID is very different for everybody who gets it. And th- you know, thank my lucky stars that the variation that I got so far has been really chill. Mm-hmm. I, I just read an article yesterday about people who got mild COVID. Um, uh, so you know, they get COVID, it doesn't feel like shit, but then all of a sudden, you know, a few weeks later, they're now they're now dealing with long COVID. So, yeah. you know, I'm not out of I'm not out of, out of the woodworks, but right now, considering that things could like, you know, for two years, it was like, oh, fuck, if I get this, I could die. Mm-hmm. I have it. And I'm I'm, you know, if if Kira didn't test positive, I would never have tested. I would never even right, have yeah. had a fucking notion that I could possibly yeah. have. COVID. <clears throat> right? and, and, so and you know and what? Like, and I'm thankful for that. It's it's uh, it is like with the asterisk of, what you know, like. Because anytime you talk about COVID being mild or everything, like you obviously have to put an asterisk next to that and acknowledge all the people that have died, which is fucking yeah. tragic. Their families, tragic. Mm-hmm. People who are getting sick and going to the hospital and then recovering, tragic. You know, long COVID, fucking awful. But then at the same time, acknowledging that the psychological nature of what COVID has done to the entire world population in terms of the idea that that the people that... <sighs> get sick and go to the hospital and people who tragically end up, you know, developing a really bad case of COVID and end up passing away. That is like, that is like a super small sliver of the pie Mm. of everyone who gets COVID, Mm. but psychologically that's not how it's viewed. And, 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 and there's, there's, I think there's positives and negatives to that. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, you guys came over and helped me move on the weekend and, and, uh, and, Maddie's parents were here from out of town and, and my mom came over and uh, there was like a group of us hanging out in, in, in my house. And I was, I was like, it's funny because I didn't have the thought at all about COVID during that time, but I thought like the, the next day I was thinking about it and I was like, Oh, we had a group of people here and, and yeah. Jerry, you tested positive the, the day after, yeah. but it's funny because it was probably the first time in a long time in the last two years when when I was in like a, a group hangout setting and didn't have any thought of it, any thought of the possibility of COVID spreading during Cause that's, the group hangout. Cause he, probably because you that's had good. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I was thinking of how psychologically that has weighed on me over the last two years of like being, mm. you know, on edge every time I hang out with a group but of I people. Think that's, I think that's and good to, I, I, to not have that feeling, especially when the, like if you were going to weigh that out as a percentage risk, I mean, there are things that you do every day in your day-to-day life, like getting in a car. Again, I don't want to trivialize it, but I know, yeah, which is yeah. way, which is way more, 
which is way more of a risk. Yeah, I, in terms I, of your health, it felt and other people's health. It felt. It's hard to use this word because it's like really hard to define the word good. But like, it felt good to not think about it during that time. And I had the yeah. thought after where I was like, "Huh, that's interesting. That's interesting that I." That's probably the first time I haven't thought about COVID. Yeah, that's it. And I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's, good. I think it's good because I, I think ultimately, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this. So we should move yeah. on, but like, you know, it's psycho psychologically as a society, we are in a transitional period, and we need to go in that direction of not feeling like it is the, the, the puppet master of our lives, yeah. and knowing that there will be a large group of people that that take longer to get to that place and sure. that that's yeah. okay. And we can support them as a community through that. And also that there's been people who have been there for two years. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's, uh, there's a whole spectrum of feelings around this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that, uh, interesting shit. Um, and, uh, my, my isolation has been going well. Thanks for asking. Um, although I, I don't have any groceries, so, uh, can someone please help me? Um, listen, you guys want to move on? I got a couple of really interesting Jared. things. A little bit of like throwback stuff. Um, Jared, you're no, you're no stranger to Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah, 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 damn right. I, yeah, <laughs> that's like ninety um, percent of your weekly groceries. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, hey, at least I'm not buying fucking booster juice off there. Um, so, in in the past, uh, we had two things come up in in past episodes recently. One was about this whole thing about mushrooms, um, mushrooms speaking. <laughs> with language right um after that someone had sent us i don't remember i wish i could remember somebody dm'd us on our instagram and sent us this tiktok and it's it's uh it's the electrical signals of a mushroom speaking using like a fucking synthesizer uh bri bring this bring this video up this is fucking cool this is really neat <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so these are like the electrical signals being pushed out through a mushroom. And the guy's hooking up a synthesizer to the mushroom, the fungus itself. Whoa. But it's but it's but it's but it's a synthesizer, so like they've like this is it's it's, it's like a it, it's a program sound. Yeah, it's translating it into you know program sound. So really, this could say like like they could program the synthesizer to like Fuck, say cool. words like 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 where are the bodies, Hillary or something like that. Actually, I don't know. I don't know much about that. I don't know much about like synth work, but maybe I could ask Rich, um, who does the theme music for our our. Um, our feel good Fridays and our Wednesday uh, routine checkups, because um, he loves synthesizers. He's a big synth mm. guy, and so I'll, I'll ask Rich and get the get the lowdown on that. I love the synthesizer. It's like uh, in um, <laughs> it's like in uh, Peter Peter Frampton's uh, song. Uh, I think it's the, ma- the mouth guitar thing. The, the mouth like Frampton pedal. comes alive. I yeah, said, yeah. we use the synthesizer and that I do the, the click. <laughs> yeah, Giorgio. You My name is is like Giorgio. I do. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so that was, that was one thing. And then here's another little catch up thing. Uh, we were talking about, uh, Taylor, you had mentioned that the uterus grows up, upwards of a thousand times its size. Here's a TikTok from a, uh, an OBGYN who, uh, gives us a visual of what's going on with the fucking uterus. And this blew my mind. This is the size of what an average uterus is when it's not pregnant. About the size of my fist. Okay. Remember that. This is the average size of a uterus 
after giving birth. <laughs> Obviously not totally anatomically correct. There's no ovaries or tubes, but um, not so small, right? So let's get rid of toxic bounce back culture, which thinks that we're supposed to get back to this in just a few weeks, okay? You like just grew a human. Dude, Dude, that thing looked like a giant cool. whoopee cushion. I, I, I will say, I will say, I, obviously everybody, everybody's uterus changes, changes shape, you know, goes, shrinks after pregnancy, after giving birth in a different way. But I like, like, and I, I, guess, I don't think it matters what the rate is, but watching somebody like oh, watching yeah. Kyla shrink back over time after giving like is so crazy. Mm. It, it's fucking. I bet. It's fucking mind blowing, and and you can and she can feel it. Like she, it's like a, oh. it's like a, it's like a small. Cr- she said it's like a small cramping. Like you can yeah, feel yeah, it kind of retracting. Uh, like you guys, like you guys that. want another hot take from Brian? Oh yeah, because uh, sure. I was thinking, I was thinking. I mean, for anybody who's just listening to this, I was kind of underwhelmed by the size of that uh, big uterus because I'm with when you. We talked with about you. it. A when thousand we talked about X it, is a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. And I pictured that shit. Coming out of you from the inside out and wrapping yeah. over your whole body, and yeah. that yeah. was not yeah. that. Yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah, but it's, it's like a, it's still really large, though, man. It is still really large, <laughs> and again, it's in terms of, it's in terms of volume, and like I think I said this when we were talking about this originally. It's like when you take a paper and someone says, "If you can fold a piece of paper, uh, what is it? It's eight times eight, it'll touch the sun or something. It'll, it'll go to the moon or something. Like it'll it'll extend from you to the moon or something." And and you're like, "What?" Get the fuck out and of here. And then t- then this is uh, where we get a le- lesson on compound interest from Taylor. <laughs> uh, compound right, interest be- is the eighth no, wonder no, no, of the no, world. No, no. <laughs> Before we get into that, uh, it's uh, do you guys know what month it is? Uh, May. Yeah. What's May? Do you guys remember? Is uh, it cystic fibrosis month? Yeah. yeah, too, yeah. CF month. Yeah. All right. So uh, CF awareness month is this month. You don't month. even have um, you don't have that anymore. So do you get to celebrate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, what's the point? Yeah, um, uh, purple in, month. It, <laughs> in uh, in uh, the fact that it's CF Awareness Month, I wanted to cover this uh, really fucking cool story about this kid um, from over in the UK. Uh, a boy, eleven years old, is the first boxer with CF to fight in a licensed match. Um, he's a pint-sized. Have you guys ever heard this word? I've never heard this word before. Um, pugilist. You know what a pugilist is? I, I've heard the word before, but I don't know what it means. It's, no. a, it's, another, it's another word for fighter. So uh, the pint-sized pugilist uh, Toby Totney, Toby Totney is mm. the only boxer with cystic fibrosis to fight in a licensed bout, and he's only mm. 11. I didn't even know that there were licensed fights for 11-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing uh, that rubs me the wrong way about that pugilist <laughs> word is that uh, here's another hot take. Is is that I was playing Wordle this morning and they're using like a bunch of UK words. Occasionally you'll get a word that's popular in in the UK. Mm -hmm. And today's Wordle word, Jerry, I don't think you're doing Wordle anymore. I've been off it since I lost. The the word was Homer, H O M E R. Do you know what that means? Stupid? Uh, No, I don't. So Homer means uh, somebody who works on homes. Huh. Okay, it's a, gotta gotta be a British word that's for like that's a home stupid. builder. You're yeah, a homer. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Toby, uh, who was diagnosed with CF at eight weeks old, made his ring debut three years ago, and his mom Gwyneth says he has gone quote from strength to strength since. Doctors think his touch training regime is also helping him fight symptoms of CF. 
which cause excess mucus buildup in the body, particularly in the lungs and digestive system. Mum, Gwyneth, 35, said she used to keep her son, quote, wrapped in cotton wool. But after uh, daughter Abigail, 16, started boxing, she gave, uh, he gave it a, uh, she gave it a go herself. Then Toby took an interest. Jared, uh, now, I think you're doing our uh, listeners a disservice by not reading this with an English accent. Okay, I sure. would agree with that. No, he trained six times. To- I'll do a cockney. Now he trained <laughs> six times a week, and Gwyneth said, quote, letting him go out in the gym has been the best thing for him. When Toby first showed interest, the doctors approved, and he said his fitness training would be good for him. He would never meant to fight, but one day he asked if he could go in the ring and start sparring, and he's gone from strength to strength. Toby is prescribed a cocktail of 11 medications plus vitamins and nebulizers. He used to, he used to need up to three to two-week hospital stays a year for treatment. But since he began boxing, he has been admitted only once for a routine, quote, tune-up. He's a re- that's a regular Michael Caine. Uh, the Totney family from Dudley, West Mids, uh, all train at the Priory Park Boxing Club in the town. Toby's age group uh, have bouts featuring two, two or sorry, three two-minute rounds with the fights judged on skills rather than who wins. Here's a photo of um of the little guy Toby. Uh, he's 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 fucking pretty cute there. Look at him. <laughs> hey, I sweating, have a question. Sweating how, up a storm. How do you think he'd stack up against um the Me? Island Boys? <laughs> <laughs> he, he would win. I feel oh, like sure. I mean, maybe we should insert Island I mean, Boys clip. Yeah, I'll, I'll check Island in boys island, boxing club. I mean, our, our our friends, our friends down in uh, the southern U.S. Yeah, that are, right. Here's that are here's, here's uh, I mean, I as we all know, I am a Top Shop Island boy. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's my two. Here's my brother's boxing right here. We'll put this video right here. Hey, this is how fast he is, by the way. And no rapper could do this, man. I swear. Yeah. Right. I show that kid real quick. Yeah. 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 That's just him training. Any rapper, get on Cameo it. right now. Book the Island Boys. Link in the bio. Cameo. Yeah, y'all already know what it is. Yeah. All right. So uh, Toby said the best part about boxing uh, for me is punching people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> little fucker. Uh, here's a photo of him doing that, punching another kid in the fucking face, and it looks like he's about to knock him out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh dude, That's dude, a nice look, straight at, jab. look at his back you know, foot. You know like he's, he's got. He, he's, he's working got, behind the, the jab. You know he threw that left jab out there and then just followed through the right hook. That's yeah, right. It. Uh, he said, "I was I was never worried about getting in the ring. I feel really, really good. I feel the same as everybody else at the club." Uh, Gwen said the family were quote very proud. When Toby fought his first English uh, boxing carded bout last November, she said, quote, nobody forces him to train. He does it all by himself just because he likes it so much. I've heard (laughs) horror stories about CF being around other people and dirt and dust. Letting him go to train was a big thing. But now I know it's making him healthier. Uh, Toby lives with Gwyneth, her partner, and his five, five siblings aged eight to 17, uh, he eats a high-fat, high-protein diet due to his condition, probably <laughs> helping him in the fucking gym too. Uh, meatloaf and bacon are his staples. Mm. Dude, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a fucking uh, uh, what's his name? A Tyson Fury. I wonder if um, what he, how he feels about mutton. 
<laughs> English boxing's interim chief executive, Charlie Ford, said, quote, Toby is a shining example of how people can overcome personal difficulties to enjoy their sport. Toby also raises funds for other kids with CF um, and Miranda Williams of Birmingham's Children's Hospital Charity, he said. Birmingham. Uh, he's a very inspired. She said he's a very inspiring boy. So uh, good job, Toby. I hope, uh, awesome. hope you, you fucking kill that match coming up. And uh, don't ever really take neat. a dive for the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> that's it. It, it kind of reminds, uh, reminds me of uh, our, our buddy Steph Strecko, who yeah. uh, also got Steph, into boxing. That's uh, right. With CF, and that's, has a pretty cool fight name. Uh, he goes by the Cough Monster. No, does he? I didn't even yeah, know I that. I swear that's to God. So funny. I swear to God. Better than the damage. <laughs> uh here's a here's a here's a bit of a uh, scary story. Um uh the largest tuberculosis outbreak in two decades Uh-oh. is tied to an outbreak in a Washington prison. I so, thought they were gonna uh, say a lab. <laughs> yeah, a lab <laughs> in a Washington prison. Seventy confirmed cases of TB in Washington have been tied to an outbreak in a state prison, according to the Department of Health. Um TB, man, my, my fucking grandfather had TB way back in the day. So how do when you a person get TB uh, again, yeah. airborne, yeah. right? S- same as how you get COVID, I would guess. Yeah, you know? I think so. Um, when a person develops active TB, the symptoms, which are very similar to um, COVID, are cough, fever, night sweats, weight loss, etc. They may be mild for many months. This can lead to delays in seeking care and results in transmission of the bacteria to others. Uh, people ill with TB can infect up to 10 to 15 other people through close contact over the course of a year, which really is not that many when you think about it comparatively to like something like COVID. Um, and without proper treatment, up to two-thirds of ill people with TB will die. And since 2000, 53 million lives have been saved through effective diagnosis and treatment. Active drug-sensitive TB diseases is treated with a standard six-month course of four antimicrobial drugs that are provided with information, supervision, and support to the patient by a healthcare worker or trained volunteer when the vast majority of TB cases can be cured when medicines are provided and taken properly. Hmm. I, I wonder, know. like, um, the, we, we had a conversation, like, early on in the pandemic, not early, early on, but it was, like, <clears throat> like six, eight months in, where um, we talked to a McGill professor about <clears throat> how, like, TB, HIV, and uh, malaria, malaria were yeah. like on the rise because of all the resources, like the scientific resources um, and like proactive measures that have been uh, diverted to uh, fight COVID outbreaks around the world. And mm. um, I wonder, I, I'm curious as to how that how that progressed since then. Mm, I mean, yeah. I I know that the, the, this is obviously an example of that, and I think we ha- I think we had some TB showing up in uh, northern Canada. In some northern yeah, uh, some northern right. communities, which was really? also like a like a ne- you know not seen in a very long time situation. I wonder, like, I, I wonder if it would be like considering this was an outbreak in Washington, right? I wonder um, how many, like, how long it was going on before they started to clue in that it wasn't something like COVID. You know, because mm-hmm. like someone shows up with those symptoms at a time where COVID is everywhere. You would you would think that the assumption is just going to be oh you got COVID so mm. um, so there's not much we can do because it's COVID so just like take care of yourself and then you know those things linger or they stick around or they're mild and like that person doesn't really get the treatment that they 
they mm-hmm. necessarily should have gotten or could have gotten because it was mistaken for COVID, COVID or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a, um, there's a. I think that that probably. I think just the the default assumption that has built into our psychology now as a as a, like a world population that when you get those symptoms, it's COVID, definitely adds a delay that could be material or meaningful to to treating what you've got. There's a cyclist that I that I follow who's a is a like a a rebel athlete and he, he got COVID or he he thought he had COVID, you know, symptoms, blah, 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 a bunch of negative tests over the course of two weeks. Mm. Wasn't COVID, you know, and and then the default assumption is, well, if it's not COVID, it's probably just something minor that will pass and then doesn't get treated, goes another couple of weeks without getting treated, tries to get back on the bike, can't because he's all fucked up, ends up having like a real bad case of bronchitis. Oh, wow. oh man, nobody's got any time for that. That's got sucks. no time for bronchitis. Yeah. How do you get how do you get bronchitis? Same thing. Bacteri- is it is bronchitis a bacterial infection? I'm not sure. Let's go with that. Okay. Um <laughs> I like it because it sounds like Brontosaurus and it reminds me of the of, mm-hmm. of the movie Littlefoot. Yep. Um uh this was a really neat story. Uh Taylor, you you uh you hooked us up with this one in the in Slack. Uh, the stunning rise of cremation reveals America's changing idea of death. So uh, I guess cremation has just been like adopted way, way more in the last uh, couple of decades than it ever has been. And uh, it's a really interesting history there because apparently, um, you know, like Judeo-Christian beliefs, uh, early days thought of cremation as like sort of an abomination because it was it like broke the sanctity of like the body and and death. And um, so when the first crematorium was opened in the U.S., uh, which was in Washington, I believe, uh, no one was doing it. Everyone was just like, that's fucking weird. It was way back in the I believe in the 30s, maybe. Um, so in 2020, 56 percent of Americans who died were cremated. Uh, more than double the figure of 27% two decades earlier, according to the Cremation Association of North America. Uh, by 2040, four out of five Americans are projected to choose cremation over casket burial, according to both CANA, the um, Cremation Association of North America, and the National Funeral Directors Association. You, you guys want uh, a hot NFDA. take? Yep. <laughs> I feel yep. like you've got one. I think Fuck. that this is a government conspiracy because Interesting. I think that they realized that imagine all of the bodies that are being buried in the ground. And like it wouldn't be such a problem if bodies were buried and meant to decompose and then not take up that space. Like imagine imagine if you had like like a, a even a 500 year lease on a plot of land where your body was going to be buried and it wasn't buried in some ornate box, but it was just buried there. It decomposed. And then in 500 years, when people don't even really remember who you are, I think it's going to be a lot shorter period than that. Right. Right. But I'm just saying like, I'm like benefit of the doubt. Somebody who thinks that their family is going to care about them for like a few generations, you know, um, they're like they're they at least they know for like 500 years they've got like their own spot and then then we recycle those spots but that's not the case we're we're burying people in these like ornate boxes that take up a fuckload of space in the ground and the more and more 
time goes on and the more technology evolves to make more and more ornate fucking expensive things to hold bodies in the ground and then take the up less, land i'm a yeah, capitalist build the less build on but, it but so here my my hot take is that i think it's government conspiracy because i think that you know i think that this problem could be foreseen you know 50 years ago they probably knew this was happening so they were like we gotta mm. we gotta revitalize <clears throat> or at least or uh, we need to energize the uptake in in cremation because if we don't then we're going to lose all of the land that we could potentially be building on mm -hmm. and i think the next big thing is um taking over uh, a large plot of land on the moon and using the moon as the next big burial site yeah but then people. you can't go you can't go visit it so why would you even do it because you can look up and see you, them every night yeah, in the moon right, you don't even have to it. go to them yeah, yeah right and you well can, then they tell you you can visit they'd it tell you a the they tell you a pipe dream. How many because, times uh, have you guys gone to see a loved one's um, grave or burial site? Never. I think... Uh, Dude, they live in my mind. Does it give you a nice Never. feeling, though, to know that they're there, that you could if you wanted to? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it does for me. I've actually, honestly... I mean, I've, 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 got, by, I've got Bigby in my closet right now. All of his ashes. Did, do you ever pull him out and, like, meditate yep. and, like, think about him and yeah. stuff? I see the I I see the I see the I see the sentimental value in that a lot of yeah. having mm -hmm. of having your loved one like nearby like with you, yeah. yeah. But but somewhere where you got it, you got to get in the car, <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. There could be traffic. Like, you know, like you know, <laughs> like you'd like I, to carry their their ashes in an oversized <laughs> suit jacket pocket. Yes, I, yes. I take I take Bigby out. I don't know, maybe like once every. Uh, once every two weeks, and then I just sprinkle a little bit of him into my cocaine, chop it up, and snort him. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Now, really I, I got I got something that's um. That, Nate, bear with me, guys, here, because there's a little bit of an investing overlap, just a tiny bit, oh, just a tiny bit, but it's Fox complete, kind of it's completely to do with this. So I was reading this book, uh, this uh, this book uh, recently called The Dondo Investor. And uh, this guy named Manish the Donda Investor. Don Donda Donda and uh, it's by a guy named Manesh Prabhai. And uh, his his like Did investing you sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. His uh, his investing philosophy is like is is um, like long term and investing in things that have that that change very little, so that the that so that the predictability is really high over a long period of time. And um, he tells like a big story of um, tells a big story of of an investment that he made um, in like the early 2000s where there was like a funeral home conglomerate that was struggling. Um, and he, he talks about the ins and outs of the um, so, like sociological uh, attachment to burial traditions and how mm. that is one of the most slowest changing traditions or industries right, yeah. in the world. And so making an investment in something like, like you're just, you know that that industry is not going to be introduced with some radical quick change. And if it is going to change, it's going to change very slowly over time. And when we're talking about this in particular with cremation, although cremation falls under the same business because funeral homes do the cremation as well, that is, like 20 you're talking 20 years to see this big yeah. shift in cremation we should start uh, investing statistics. in canna can we put some can we put some stock in canna we should is do canna, that is canna a funeral home conglomerate no canna is the cremation association of north america <laughs> 
Oh, I wonder if they do. Are they are they public? Uh, uh, Coming back to sort of what Brian was saying there, this seismic shift represents potentially severe revenue losses for the funeral industry. It's leading innovators to create a growing number of green alternatives and other choices that depart from traditional casket funerals. And rapidly shifting views about disposing with bodies have also led to changes in how we memorialize loved ones and reflect an increasingly secular, transient, and some argue death-phobic nation. It's funny because like when I, whenever I go to, um, whenever I speak at hospice conferences, um, you know, like when you go to a conference, if you've never been to one, there's always a room. There's always like this sort of showcase room where people are there showcasing products that relate to the conference that you're at. So, you know, if you go to like a medical conference or like a physician conference, there will be like a, there will be like a little showroom that has people showing off, you know, whatever, like the newest ventilator mm. um, systems or colonoscopy or, or, tools or, or yeah. yeah, yeah. Or hospital beds, like, yeah. you know, the new cool hospital beds, but the, the hosp- drones. Yeah. Yeah. The hospice ones, it's always people that are there showing off like, um, like, you know, bury your, bury your loved one in a tree. You know, like like mm. take your loved one and turn them into a tree, kind of cryogenic plots. cryogenic chambers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing. Um, in half <laughs> in his half century in the death business, Richard Moylan has never experienced years like this. Uh, he said, "Quote: Some people want it over and done with. Uh, you'll wonder if you wonder if they'll come out to regret that later." Moylan says of cremation. With cremation families, a lot of them don't want to know what we do or how we do it or don't care to know what you can do with the cremated body. Uh, This generation just doesn't want to have the three-day-long funeral home thing. The stunning increase in cremation is, quote, the single greatest change in our funeral practices in our generation, or I'd venture to say in the last couple of centuries, says Thomas Lynch, a Michigan poet and funeral director of 50 years. Quote, people want the body disappeared, pretty much. I think it reminds us of what we lost. In the United States, Lynch notes, quote, this is the first generation of our species that tries to deal with death without dealing with the dead. The rising cremation rate is, quote, unpending truly conventional ideas of how, uh, up, sorry, upending truly conventional ideas of how death and cremation work, says University of Southern California professor David Charles. Uh, mm-hmm. Sloan, the author of... Um, is cem- is the cemetery dead who grew up in one of his father's cemetery super uh, who grew up uh in one which was his father's cemetery uh his father was a, s- a cemetery superintendent in Syracuse uh, traditional burials often use valuable space in high density areas and may involve embalming chemicals and non-biodegradable caskets with metal linings but critics of cremation and we've heard this before from um mm. from Catherine Doty um they counter that uh, that it depend it, it's dependent on fossil fuels and it emits greenhouse gases. They argue that cremation can also have a desensitizing effect on families. It can be too easy for some. It's drive through death. For others, cremation offers an opportunity to control and personalize life's final ritual. Can mm. estimates that twenty to forty percent of cremated remains are interred in a cemetery, uh, placed in the ground, or in a uh, columbarium a storage area for urns while up to 60 to 80 percent are buried in other locations scattered walt disney is a favorite site or kept at the home <laughs> wait like wait, in my closet wait 
Wait, Walt Di- like Walt Disney people take their families. Yeah, Walt, ashes? Walt Disney World is like a place where people scatter ashes big time. I guess. Wait, they're on like uh like That's the the fucking um like the Tower of Terror or like uh one of those rides and they just fucking toss it out the, the door. Yeah, yeah. One actually, of those outdated rides from um, two thousand one. I'm really curious for you guys, like what I was having this thought the other day because uh I mentioned Maddie's parents are in town and they went down to um Eastern Passage, like Fisherman's Cove, there's a, a boardwalk there and and there's a an old church. And I have a lot of like family that that uh on my mom's side that grew up in that area. And so I was thinking about this old church and the only times that I go to that church are 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 for funerals. And I the thinking of the place makes me like sick to my stomach. Like I mm. I just really well. That's kind of probably because it's a church and you're not Catholic. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure. Like I've always felt there's just like I've I've been to a handful of funerals there, and like I I feel like during those services there's like this this moment where the like the priest will like say something that's almost like a like like they see it as like a funnel to bringing in new members of the church. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like by the way, mass like is at this sold. time, and blah blah blah. Yeah. And it it makes me. I'm just. I don't know. It's what like it lawn is. bowling, like, like LSN. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I, but, I hear you. I, but I I just really I know personally. Like I don't want anything to do with a church for my funeral. And yeah. so I'm curious in thinking about that. Like what what do you like? What do you guys? Want? I think I think when I when Jerry when you said that that piece about the drive through death and not dealing with it. I mean, I don't know how I, I feel about that. I think that's a. I think that's at least for me. I think that's a outdated perception of that. Like. I think when I hear you say that, Bri, I I have never been to one of those like church based funerals that didn't just feel like I was, uh, that I should be destroyed inside. And, and I don't really feel that way about death. And I don't really feel that death has to be this. I, I, I feel like when he said that piece that it's, it's kind of like saying that death should be physical. Like the physical body is the most important part sort of. And, Ooh. and, um, when the, the first time that I felt this was with when Brandon died, I was like, I don't feel, I don't feel that way about him physically being gone. Like Ooh. it was much more of a, you know, he became, he, he became a, like a sp- spiritual uh like entity or figure in my in my in my brain in my mind and in my memory and there was very much an aspect of him that wasn't dead yep still yeah yeah. Yeah. i think uh for you yeah yeah i mean like the i don't like the idea of um cremation mostly because because again i do agree that it's probably not great for the planet and right now the planet is pretty much on the way to being um, a place where all of us are going to die because we just didn't take care of it. Um, but I like, I, I really, when, when we spoke to uh, Caitlin, one of the things that I really love that she brought up was the notion of um, alkaline, hydro, oh. alkaline <laughs> hydrolosis, um, which is, uh, which is like uh, the, it's like it's like aquamation or like water cremation. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so like it, pressure so it's, washed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's a process for the di- disposal of uh, of human and pet remains using lye and heat, and is an alternative to burial cremation. Uh, so the process is based on alkaline hydrolysis, hydrolysis, 
Um, the body is placed in a pressure vessel that is then filled with a mixture of water and potassium hydroxide and heated to a temperature of around 160 degrees Celsius, basically about the same um, the same temperature as your hot tub, Bri, on your rooftop now, um, <laughs> but uh, at an elevated pressure, which prevents boiling. Uh, instead, the body is effectively broken down into its chemical components, which takes approximately four to six hours. A lower temperature and pressure may be used, but at a longer duration, so about 98 degrees Celsius for about 16 hours. At the beginning Maybe of the more. process, the mixture is fairly basic with a pH level of approximately 14. Uh, pH drops to 11 by the end, but the final pH level depends on the total operation time and the amount of, the amount of fat in the body. But the reason I like that is because it, it makes it makes me kind of feel like like I, got, I, like I got offed by the by the like mm. the, like the Sinaloa cartel, you know, like, like a vat of acid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like yeah. like Batman just kicked me into a vat of acid. And, what do you and get though? Do you, do you get anything? Out of, like you get to take home like a bag of sand or something? What do you that? get? No, what no, you, no. What do you get? No, no, they give you they give you a Gatorade bottle full of uh, of red liquid goo. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> do you think that's really? Do you think that that's really expensive though? And and is that even an option here in Halifax? Because that's the other thing is like, what is available where you live? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, yeah, I mean, it's an it's, it's like an like it's an industry, and when there's an industry that has an interest, like you know, at the end of the day, funeral homes make money, so they obviously have a vested interest in keeping the mm. keeping the status quo. That's why it's worth in, um, connecting with somebody like, like we had Roxanne on the podcast who is the funeral celebrant and like, so yeah. somebody to like help guide you through that process. Yeah. And also it, like Jeremy, I guess too. In the, Canada, uh, Saskatchewan was approved the process in 2012, which was the first province to do so. And then Quebec and Ontario have also legalized it. Uh, a funeral home in Granby, Quebec, was the first in the province to receive an alkaline hydrolysis machine. So go to Quebec if you want to do it. Interesting. That's not that bad. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's move right along here. This is a fucking wild story, and uh, you know what? I'm going to put this up there. I'm going to uh, let me preface this by saying to you guys, I know that this story is going to make us laugh. Um, but let's be really mindful because there's something there's it's also sad. OK, so let's not make it's let's not make so fun of, funny that you not, have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want us to make too much fun of this guy because I, I do feel bad. But also, it's so silly. Um, we don't make but, fun of anybody. Well, just wait um, before we get into this. I do want to I do want to show a funny video that uh, I think all three of us have seen before, but uh, uh, it's it reminded me of this. Yeah, I'm six foot. Uh, six foot. Uh, this is the impressions of a foot, man yeah, who is five eleven. Yeah, no, I just went to the doctor. I'm six uh, six foot. <laughs> Word. I think I'm six foot. Yeah. Six foot? No, bro. You're five eleven. I'm six foot. 
And, <laughs> and you're shorter than me. Six fucking foot, yo. I'm six feet. <laughs> six one? Six one. Maybe six maybe six foot and a half. Six foot? Yeah. Definitely no shorter than that though. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. No, six foot. Six foot. If I was any shorter than that, I'd be not no. man. I'd be not man. No, six, foot. six foot, bro. Six foot. <laughs> oh fuck, that's uh, that's Kirstie uh, so JT Firstman. If you haven't been following him on Instagram, he does these incredible, <sighs> silly impressions. Very. Funny. Does he write? Does he write for a for for a some? Yeah, like he's really done a lot of writing. Show. He's done a lot of. Uh, I mean, since since his Instagram blew up, he uh, over the over COVID, he he his career kind of took off. So uh, this story um, comes from BuzzFeed. He was five seven. After surgery, he'll be five ten. Um, <laughs> cool. So Scott Scott, which is not his real name, uh, had what he calls life altering surgery. He went underwent a procedure that will make him permanently taller. There's no concrete numbers on how many people are having this procedure, though a 2020 BBC report found that hundreds of men have it every year. But Scott Whoa. is among the men who, frustrated by how they're being treated because of their height, sought At out five, a surgeon. 5'7"? Yeah, I know. 5'7", um, yeah. Brian, yeah. do you feel that discrimination? I, I don't, but now I feel, now now I feel like some because somebody else did feel that <laughs> that i feel like i should you should feel you should feel like they're like you know like what, everyone's the, looking wait, at you. is this guy european because uh when i was uh in finland a couple months ago the everybody there is so much taller and like yeah you think every, that every you think that's like it. a standard like a standard finish procedure yeah i think well i think that uh in europe maybe maybe people get bullied for being shorter like five I, seven I, like I here believe- we only bully people who are like five five I believe, right? I, yeah, I believe Scott is uh, American. Um, uh, but Scott is among I'm the joking. men who are frustrated by how they're being treated because of their height, sought out a surgeon who could permanently lengthen his legs. Wow. Before the $75,000 procedure he had in January, he was about 5'7". By the time he's done lengthening, a week's-long process after the surgery, he will be 5'10", about an inch taller than the average American man. Uh, the last few years have seen a notable rise in men seeking cosmetic procedures, from facelifts to Botox, men have been increasingly turning to cosmetic interventions to appear younger in the face of a culture that fetishizes youth. In 2018, Wired called this the Brotox boom. <laughs> the pandemic only accelerated the trend as work shifted to Zoom and more men spent time looking at and worrying about their faces. But height is another matter. Uh, there are no, there are fillers for jawlines and there's Botox for foreheads, but height, a major source of anxiety for men, seems unsolvable. The struggles for short men in the dating world are all well too documented. Uh, to improve their odds of matching with people, men have taken to lying about their height on dating apps. Six foot. Um, <laughs> this happens so frequently that the dating app Tinder once rolled out an April Fool's joke about how verifying height and men got very upset. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Uh, just last week, a TikTok went viral for devising a plan to quote, fact-checked guys who, they're, uh, say, who say they're six feet tall. Uh, height oh. is an advantage in the workplace where taller men are more likely to end up CEOs and shorter men are less likely to get access to career opportunities. Short men are mocked on social media. Some research suggests shorter men are more likely to be depressed. Scott, uh, who is 25, works in digital media 
and said before the surgery, colleagues constantly made remarks about his stature. Quote, wow. I was not treated with respect, Scott told me. At every single workplace I've been in, there's been several situations where people commented on my height to discredit me entirely as a person. One you know, disagreement. The, yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy is not 5'7". He's 5'6". He's 5'2". Yeah, yeah. And, and he says, yeah, I'm 5'7". You know, I gotta... Not that anybody deserves to be mocked for anything. No. And made and made and humiliated. But I've got to... I've, there's a there's a it's a there's a tickle in my brain that says that it's not just his height. Yeah, got, I mean, like, yeah. like, like, like it can't yeah, yeah. just be the sole. No, purpose. no, I mean, like, like, look, you guys are short as shit, right? And like, you guys are you guys are a couple of fucking little. How tall are you, Jer? Six foot, and uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, but you guys, but you guys carry confidence. And so, and so you don't let the height thing get to you. And so that like confidence goes a long way. You, you know, you could yeah. be, you could be shorter than you fucking short fucks and have <laughs> lots of confidence and be nailing it in the dating scene or whatever, um, or work or whatever. Like it, it is all about confidence, but obviously this guy's struggling with confidence and probably not just because he's uh, yeah. Yeah. like quote unquote short. He's five, seven. It's not that short. I mean, um, I, I wouldn't like, I would be lying if I said I, ne I've never in my life like w thought, oh, it would be nice to be taller. And yeah, wish it, you and, wish you were yeah. a little bit taller. And wish, wish I was, was a baller. Taller. Yeah. yeah. If I wish I had a girl, if I did, I'd call her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think one, it, it, it mostly stems from like in, in sports, like wanting to be yeah. taller, <laughs> stronger, you know, like more having taller. the desire to be more um physical i think in in sports yeah. that require physicality when i was younger i mean i i haven't felt i i sympathize with that in the way that i felt that as a kid i felt that as a yeah as a teenager but yeah. i but i internalized it and used it to my advantage to be like a fucking pit bull in sports yeah. because yeah. that was where the that was where the disadvantage was was in sports yeah, yeah. um but I so i can i i, I at the same time as they're, they're right. The confidence thing is a huge is a huge part. I, I can sympathize with the with the feeling that you are, you know, you're inadequate or you're not good as. Yeah, I, I think that the the other interesting thing though too is like when I think about my own personal bias, I feel like I grew early, and so like I I don't remember in junior high and high school feeling short. Um, maybe and and so because I think maybe I grew taller earlier that it wasn't a thing that I thought about often mm. when I was young. Like I wasn't like a late bloomer, like thought, mm. thought of myself as short, but now like that I'm older, I'm like, uh, like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm aware that I'm not a tall human being, yeah. but I also, it doesn't bother me when we were yeah, moving the other, when we were moving the other day and, uh, and hey, can you reach up and, here for uh, me and help me? And, uh, <laughs> one of your buddies who was, who was oh, helping yeah, you yeah, move, yeah. he was like, he, he goes, he goes, Hey, is it a, is it a requirement? Is it a requirement to be a sick boy podcast? Is it a requirement to be five eight to be a sick boy podcast host? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said, and I said, yeah, and to have a ten inch cock, <laughs> <laughs> which is also funny though because um, when he said that, I it made me feel good because he rounded me up and he rounded you guys down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this gets uh, kind of sad. One disagreement at work with Scott led to a colleague snapping at him and rebutting, "quote Don't be so sure of yourself, short man." Uh, oh over the God. years, the insults began to take their toll. He said, quote, I was walking. I was waking up two hours before my alarm every day just to walk around the neighborhood and cry. He said, oh, Scott, wow. shit. Yeah. 
Scott first heard about the procedure when he was in high school. He watched a few YouTube clips about it, but dismissed it at the time. He said, quote, I was like, that's sick. I would never do that. But he kept researching, and about three years ago, he became convinced it was the solution he was looking for. Quote, I felt miserable, he said. There were things throughout my day, every day, that would bother me. I felt attacked or unfairly criticized due to my height. Then he had a revelation. Quote, when I realized that I was really holding, what was really holding me back was the uh, obstacle of money, I was like, oh, it's just a game. And if I can get $75,000, then I'm done feeling like this. Dude, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, seven, the, you mean it's 75K for the procedure? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the goal gave him clarity. Quote, I was not waking up and crying every day in my mask, walking around the neighborhood. Instead, it became, okay, I just have to get this on this, get me on this grind and figure out how to get the money. So Scott, uh, who is bi, got to work and in February 2021 started an OnlyFans page. Within a few months on the platform, he zeroed in on a niche. Financial domination. Dude, there you go, Scott. Fucking get that money, dude. I was going to say, uh, short guys was the niche. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Humiliation kink where clients pay him to degrade them and take their money. By January 2022, by supplementing his OnlyFans earnings with some savings and a small loan, he had enough to pay for the procedure. Now, Dr. Shabab uh, Mabubian, the orthopedic surgeon who performed Scott's surgery, is a bit of a social media star. On Instagram, the 46-year-old Californian boasts more than 45,000 followers. On TikTok, another 50,000. His handle is pretty straightforward. At height lengthening. (laughs) On his social social media pages, you can see him doing dances and answering questions about the procedure. Uh, Height increase surgery is not Mahubian's entire practice. He said he performs about 30 to 40 of these procedures a year. He said, quote, I would say most of my work is still general orthopedics, but I still do a lot of sports. Patients with shoulder injuries, uh, knee injuries, back injuries. I still see a wide range of orthopedic problems, he told me in his office in Burbank, California. Still, judging by the large sign that reads Height Lengthening Institute at Hit the Door, it's fair to say that it has become his brand. He said, quote, it became a big part of my practice. It's the thing most people are interested in. That's where I get most of my consultations, Mahubian said. He added that he's seen a marked increase in surgeries during the pandemic. Quote, since a lot of people had more time on their hands, they opted to undergo their procedure, he told me. Uh, surgically lengthening limbs is not new. It's existed in some form for nearly 100 years. Now, people wounded in military service or car crashes would get the procedure, often as a way to correct mismatched length in legs. Uh, what is relatively new is the deployment of the surgery for elective and cosmetic ends. That's mm. only about 15 years old. In other words, people are now choosing to undergo the procedure just because they want to. And here's, a, here's an image of, uh, of the scars on Scott. You can see where, the, um, where it takes place. So I guess they lengthen out the, the femur. Oh, that's, uh, my short, that's my shortest part. How, yeah, how crazy. Yeah, like, look how in, non-invasive that looks. Yeah, it does I, look very non I wonder, like, what, what type of work is going on inside? Yeah, so he says, Mahubian says, nonchalantly describing the minimally invasive procedure like a man recounting his breakfast, quote, through small little incisions, I cut the bone surgically. Then I insert a rod, we call it a nail or a rod, that goes inside the bone. The rod is magnetic and has gears. Then there's an external device that communicates with the nail. And over time, little by little, it lengthens out the nail. That the lengthening painful. happens gradually. 
We usually say about Whoa. a millimeter a day until they get to their desired height. Dude, that's got to be painful over the Until over they the get time. to their desired height. Now, how do you... Oh, wait, Tay, listen to this. What? There's a ceiling on how much height the patient can get. So, so the maximum uh, height is eight centimeters because that's the limit of this, this nail, this rod. So anything beyond eight centimeters wow. is when we see most of the complications. So Dude, eight like centimeters, four, which is like, it's a three, inches? It, I, it's three inches, 3.15 inches. Wow. So, okay. And now, and can you, does it say anything about So if like, I, if I got it done, I'd be six, I'd be six, 3.15 exactly. Right. No, Cause sorry. you're, exa- cause yeah, you're yeah, exactly yeah. six, cause you're exactly yeah. six foot. What, yeah. what is there, is there performance like usage drawbacks? Does it say like, you know, you won't be able to, you know, that you're going to, you're going to yeah. trade off your ability to take an upper thigh kick from to Conor run, McGregor. to run effectively. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Dollar? Yeah. I don't know. It w- must be weird. Like, you'd have to yeah, notice I'm, being yeah. three inches taller, no? And then I, that would come with a whole bunch of, of, of other cosmetic issues that you could become. If, if you're doing it for cosmetic reasons, then, then you could become, you know, you could become self-conscious about the strange uh, proportions of your shin to your thigh. To your, to your dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your dick would look smaller. It would look smaller, yeah. Because your thigh is bigger. Yeah. Or longer. Nah, yeah. that ain't true. Wait, yeah, that's that nah, true. Wouldn't be true. Relative. We're talking yeah, about relative. it's relativity. Doesn't matter, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking for myself. You guys can fuck whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this is so interesting. It's so interesting to... Like, could you imagine just being... I mean, when when you go from being your height that you're used to to yeah. being a little bit taller, like just standing up on your on, on the ball of your feet... Like you notice it, you're like I'm fucking taller. Yeah, you know what I, though? If if <laughs> yeah, I could, so so thinking about this, <clears throat> if it was like, here, let's just put on it. What would it take for me to consider doing this surgery? One, it would have to not be seventy five thousand mm-hmm. yeah. dollars. Um, the second thing is, would you I do would it for need, free? I would need. I would probably do it for free. I regard mean, like regardless of anything like if they were, if it just without even thinking about it someone came up to you today and said, yes i got a surgery you can do it for free we can do it today gotta yeah. do it today you have no time to think about it i'm gonna i'm gonna make you three inches taller it's free would you do it yeah it's referred to as an no. a minim, minimally invasive surgery so and i'd do it on, for free yeah, i would sure. probably do, do it that. for but free but they'd be so told it'd be so you fun to be six foot three and one and, and uh, six foot three point one five so in order to pay any amount of money for it, and this still definitely not $75,000, I would need more height than three inches. Three inches is a lot, man. Yeah, I know, but like, I don't feel like I'm that much shorter than 5'10 and a bit. And so, like, do I want to be 5'10? Like, there's. You mean, like, psychologically, you feel 5'10? No. N- <laughs> yeah, I feel about 5'10. I feel close you enough to that. You identify as 5'10. I, feel, I identify as 5'10. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I just feel like three inches isn't that, like if I'm standing next to you, how tall are you? 5'8. But, uh, Jer, how tall are you? You're about 5'10. I'm probably a little taller I'm, than that. Well, I'm probably 5'9. I'm 6 foot. doesn't matter. So, like, I don't feel significantly shorter than somebody who's 5'10 when I'm standing next to See, them. See, I know that we're, that you're shorter than me, but I don't, Look at you as shorter than me, right? I feel like I don't we're look like the down same on height, you, right? even though I do look down on you. I don't look down on you, <laughs> right? I, it's like do you got like, do you guys see me as super tall? No, no. I look at you as the <laughs> same height, which as is me. my point. Is like well, that's, I would that's fucking to, that's 
bullshit. To pay seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> to be your height and still be relatively short. <laughs> yeah. I look at uh, hey, like man. if I could hey. be six two, like even Colin, that'd be even, interesting. Even Colin, even Colin, who's probably who's probably six feet. I, I, I don't look at Colin as being tall. This is what I mean. This is why would you, okay, I, I would okay. need more height than. How about this five ten? If I was paying for it, no. How about this then? Would you take Would you take a free three inch addition to your penis? No. Oh yeah. No. (laughs) What? No. Why would you not? I mean, there's not going to be any performance loss in that domain. It's just a flabby. It's just. It's just not even. It's not even a. I guess it is a muscle. The concern is is feeling. See, the only thing, the only height difference that you notice, a penis. You know, the height (laughs) difference that you notice is someone who's six three. Once you exceed six two. You look taller. Six you know two, what? you're like six two. You go, you're tall. See? Six three, you go, you're fucking tall. If I could I, pay for six three, maybe I'd pay for it. Sure, yeah, okay. I've <laughs> never felt tall. You know, I'm, I'm so all jokes aside. I'm actually five nine. Okay, folks, just relax. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I've never felt tall, except the other night. <laughs> the other night, I was I was out at a bar with Kira, and uh, I may or may not have um, eaten some mushrooms. And I was sitting for a long time on this like sort of rot, like high, like pretty high, um, like bar stool. And, uh, and I was sitting for way too long. And then, and Kira gets up and she's very short. Kira's a little petite little thing. And, um, and she was like, you should stand up. Try to like, feel what it feels like to stand up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a mushroom and, thing to say. Yeah. Feel what it and, feels like to stand. I and so I, I, I like slowly slide off the, the stool. And then, so my, my knees are kind of bent because of the way I slid off. And then I slowly stood all the way up to my height and, and Kira's face followed me as I, as I like fully stood and like oh, her neck is cranking and she goes, holy shit, you're tall. And I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, I'm so tall. And I was also standing That's right so next good. to Dave Culligan, who also is just this like short little fucking short <laughs> Dude, <laughs> oh, just a dude. weak, weak, weak uh, shortling. Uh, you know, dude, I felt so tall. <laughs> you, you oh know, my god! The only time, the only time I wish that I was taller is when I'm standing next to Maddie in heels, and then she's taller yeah. than me, and yeah. then I feel, um, and then I feel, yeah, like I feel like going and paying seventy five thousand dollars for yeah, because Kyla's <laughs> Kyla's Kyla's only like Kyla's only marginally shorter than me, so like yeah. I, you, there's not really a difference. But when yeah. she puts some heels on, I'm like, God damn yeah um fuck do you guys want to move on to uh this week's edition of what the hell <laughs> let's do it that's a good one it's nice and close to me yeah, um good. speaking of penises guys mm-hmm. this story holy moly this bummed me out uh impotent man 45 may never be able to use his penis again after his partner accidentally no deployed expanding foam inside his urethra in a bizarre no. attempt to keep him erect during sex. Uh, Whoa. But then where is he going to come? Oh, <laughs> dude, an American man may never be able to use his penis again. Um, after this happened, the 45-year-old patient had to have a, a new opening cut between his scrotum and his anus oh, the taint, shut the f- uh, to urinate when the foam hardened and became anchored to his penis. Was it spray foam insulation? Yeah, dude. Spray foam insulation. Medics who treated him uh, revealed he will only qualify for for reconstructive surgery if he passes a psychiatric evaluation. Here's a photo of the x-ray of the foam up inside his shit. It is all up in his penis. 
It's in his perineum. Oh. It's all up in his bladder. Um, Whoa. <clears throat> the unidentified man was struggling with impotence. And because of that, he had been inserting various objects into the opening of his penis during sex to stay erect. But things went horribly wrong during one of these sessions when the man's partner tried to use the straw of a can of insulation spray to keep him firm. At some point, the man's unidentified partner accidentally hit the button on the top of the can. Accidentally. I don't know about that. Uh, Deploying the foam up inside his penis. The foam normally used for, for home insulation hardened, and he was left with several masses in the inside of his member and bladder. Here's a photo of all the insulation that they pulled out of this fucking dude. And it was a lot. Oh, oh no. How painful. No, dude. No. Would that no, be? No. Why? Well, that's a that's a fucking ruler. That is a, a 12 inch ruler. ruler. Dude. No, sorry. That's a uh, one, two, three, four, five, but six 15, inch ruler. Six. Okay. Six dude, foot. Th- there is just so many things <laughs> that people will do. Seven sexually that is so ill-advised i know people just don't get it man like you know there's things you can stick up there but don't stick the thing that you found in the back of your closet like that you were using for home renovations six years ago and probably is past the due date rule of thumb no aerosol. Yeah. No aerosol. I just, I just feel bad for like, um, and obviously we don't know like what the relationship was like or what the conversation was like before this happened, but you can I feel bad it. for you can somebody imagine it though. who like wants to like, wants to pleasure their partner and, you know, is game for like trying to use some household items to try to like, I think to try to I make think, the experience work. I think you're trying to make this a little more normal than <laughs> and, it actually was. And, <laughs> and is down to like, you know, just try to make it make, like satisfy the ple- the the pleasure that yeah, the yeah, 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 the yeah. partner wants. It was and, all so innocent, and yeah. then and then ends up with spray foam inside. Oh yeah. my god! Like there's just yeah. no end to it. Yeah, just yeah. don't. Um, no, just don't, don't don't do that. Don't don't stick fucking rocks glasses up your urethra. Just don't. Just don't just do that. Don't do know? it. No. Um. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Um. And uh, listen, COVID is still out there. And uh, don't fuck with it. Wash your hands. Wear your mask when you need. Be kind to others. And uh, but but uh, big 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 props to the strain that I got. Um, and hopefully it doesn't develop into anything else. Um, and and who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I was a super spreader of this uh, this variant because I was out and about for a lot of having it. And uh, and maybe got a few people sick with a very minor um, addition of COVID. And hopefully those people don't develop long COVID. There might and, be uh, a lot of blood on your hands, Jer. Dude, Jesus Christ, man! I actually, I actually felt really gross about about all that. But hey, negative what PCRs, you, you know, like what yeah. can you do? Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought when I got the when I got the uh, rapid test, the first one, I thought because because I like stuck my tongue into Kira's mouth when when sh- she had it, and uh, and so I thought when I got that rapid back, I thought, oh, I'm immune. Or I had it before and didn't know, and I just had some of her COVID hanging out in my throat, and the COVID was like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> but that wasn't turned, turned out not to be the case. Turns <laughs> out I got it. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. Thanks for the support. We love you all. If you want to join the conversation over on Discord, you can hit the link in the show notes. Uh, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, or just rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. Spotify. 
<laughs> if you want to uh, let us know about any any manner of things, I think, like, how do you feel about height? Height's a weird, height's a weird one. Like, am am I really short at five seven? Well, if you want, like, if you want to let me know, you no, can man. do that. Yeah, the average is five nine. Yeah, you're not you're not short. You're just um, you're just below average. But it is a yeah. it is a sensitive it is a sensitive uh, a sensitive thing. Like I I like I said I I experienced uh, I was self conscious about my height growing up uh, in the sports world and uh, and I got over it. Um, so let us know what do you how do you feel about height? How do you feel about your height? How do you feel about the height of of people around you? It's not about how long you are. It's about how you use it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, letters at sickboypodcast.com. Let us know. And if you want to be a guest on the show, uh, sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Yeah. The other thing too, is just, um, hang out, make sure your friends are, are no more than two inches taller than you and then you're good. Yeah. Do you think that people actually, that's why I hang out with all the short people. Do you think that people subconsciously group in similar heights? I think so. Cause like when I look around our friend group, it, we're all similar. Yeah. Because if somebody was really tall, we would probably ostracize them yeah i know I, we are particularly vicious to the tall ones that are yeah. that do sneak that's out. why i don't like hanging out with steve lund in public yeah right yeah, he's, yeah. Very, he's very masculine also he's really handsome too so it's all that, that as yeah, well it's all yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you to the people who uh, make this show happen thank you to rich o'coin for the theme music and to jeff lomas our manager um yeah thanks guys that's it for this week i'm brian i'm taylor and i'm jeremy and this is sick boy For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.